0: Is it time for Bill Belichick to finally retire? I'm not sure, but Coach and I are back, and we're going to discuss that and a lot more. This is Iceman and Coach. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode—the first episode in quite a while of the Main Iceman and Coach show. As always, this is your host, or one of your hosts, the Iceman Matt Freights. and as always, on the other side of the camera and the microphone is the Coach Brad Powell. Brad, I feel like we haven't seen each other in a while, so it's always, always great to see that face.
1: Iceman, yes, uh, it's. I was as we were listening to the intro, I'm like, man, like it's been a minute uh, since I've heard that, so. No, I'm glad we're getting the the main show on the books tonight. That's good. And there's just been a lot going on in the world of sports, plenty to talk about, lots of, uh, there's some polarizing topics in here, I think, that'll no, be interesting. So, no, way.
0: And, you know, I think we do polarizing about as well as anyone. So I would say so. The last polarizing topic we did turned out to be Mel Tucker and his, what turned out to be firing, at least for now. That hasn't really settled itself out, but we definitely got some interesting comments to go along with that. For everybody that is watching for the first time, if you have an opinion and you want to call or text it to us, 703-718-6314 is the number to do that. I'm surprised that I actually remember that because it's been so long since I've actually said it, but it is burned into my brain. Every single Friday for you college football fans, we do College Kickoff Eve where Coach and I go live every Friday starting at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. Most of the time it's on Friday. Sometimes we will pivot every now and again. But we also try and re-air it on Saturday morning if we can. So that is your one-stop shop of all of the other college football shows. But we like to just talk college football and have a good time with some of the people that are in the chat and all that. So we got a lot going on and it's just been a lot of fun even though we haven't seen each other. But what's been going on in life, man? I feel like we need to start out talking a little bit of life. Oh, dude,
1: life's as always, man. Life is busy and uh, I don't know if we ever talked about it on the show. I can't remember. But... My wife graduated nursing school a little over a month ago, so we're we've been in that transition into her uh, role as an RN. So, she's, congratulations to her! She, yeah, she's going through. Uh, you know, she did orientation. She's going through training. Um, she was working as a tech prior to finishing her degree, so she's fortunate enough to to have gotten a job on the same unit that she's been working on. So she'll have that familiarity and stuff. So. No that's really great. It's it's kind of been weird, right? Because traditionally she's worked um she's worked nights as a tech, but here for the next like I don't know 4 to 6 weeks, she's working a daytime schedule. All right. So it, it's kind of uh it's weird though. I don't know if I like it. Um and she doesn't either because when she worked nights, like yes, yeah, she'd sleep during the day, but you know, she was up for a couple hours and around before she had to go into work. Where now it's like when she gets up it goes in early and she's not home till like almost 8:30 at night. It's almost like a whole day is just gone you know it's yeah. kind of it's a weird dynamic i guess uh, and i think she sees the kids more the other way um and she's one of those people that has the gift of she can she can sleep like anytime, like just at a moment's notice uh i wish yeah i, I think though i mean there's probably a lot of moms out there that would agree right i mean they uh you have to you have to be a chameleon when you're a exhausted mom. yeah and you just take it when you can get it and when it comes to sleep but other than that, man, no, everything's good on the home front. Kids are good. Had a little parent-teacher conference tonight for our daughter. Excellent, uh, excellent. All good reports. And our, our daughter's very shy, quiet and shy. And it was great because the teacher said, you know, she goes, I saw her. She was last week, another student. and She's in second grade. Another student was being kind of rude to her and being a little mean. And she stood up for herself. You know, she kind of you know, said, Hey, like you're not going to talk to me that way, and if that's how you want to talk to me, then I'm not going to talk to you anymore. Like, just kind of had a little bit of a backbone to her in that moment. Which I mean, I see that at home all the time with her little brother <laughs> and everything else. But just to just to see, you know, the teacher was like, she's like, she said exactly to her what I wanted to say, but I just couldn't because I'm the teacher.
0: No, that is really awesome because we need to get your daughter to answer all of our comments on YouTube because I think she would be. Really good to say, you cannot talk to me that way. I'm not going to talk to you again. That's all that we really need to say. But when you have kids, for anybody who's watching or listening who doesn't have kids, maybe one day you will experience this. If not, then you won't. But you have to kind of walk this fine line about when you can parent your kids and teach them how to act in certain situations. And then sometimes they have to kind of figure it out for themselves. And I think this is a situation when you talk about how to handle other people we can't really do a whole lot for them except give them some guidance and advice. But when we're not there, they're going to have to figure it out. So it's always great when your kids are adaptable and are able to decide for themselves what to do in a situation. It doesn't matter what they do. Like if they decide something, that's better than being passive all the time. And you have a path forward if the if the action is like she punched somebody in the face because they were talking to her and you're like, okay, well, at least I know what to do with that.
1: No, no doubt about that. So it, it was good to see that going on. And all everything else was great. All good reports, as usual. Didn't really expect otherwise. Um, her shyness keeps her out of a lot of trouble, I think. So I'll take it at this point. I was pretty shy as a kid, too. So I get it. No, man. But how about you? How are things uh, on the home front and in life for the Ice family.
0: Oh, we are doing well. I'm currently watching the National League Championship Series right now. We got the Phillies up two to nothing in the top of the fifth inning. Talk about a team that's easy to root for, but we'll get to that a little bit later. But yeah, man, it's it's good. Uh, earlier this month, I did go up to Connecticut to visit some family, some of my mom's family, her sisters and some of my cousins. And it was awesome. And we weren't able to take my wife because she's been sick and had to stay home. And that was kind of rough because she obviously wanted to go. And doesn't like being without us. You know, I think we talked about it here that I took him to my father's house. And let me tell you, solo parenting on a trip of any kind is rough. I, I love the kid to death, but at some point you do reach sort of your wits end because I think you both kind of get tired of each other. And it's just a lot. And But other than that, um, it was good to to see people. It was good to see him interact with cousins he'd never really met. I mean, he'd met them like one time, but and to see him... Take to those people so easily, and I think one of the best things about my son and, and James has been on the show obviously before is he's got a really big heart, and as a parent, that's one of the things I hoped that he would have is a big heart, a natural heart where he just gives love and kindness, and maybe he doesn't do it always to me, but that's kind of the way parenting is. Your kids sometimes just hate you, or they seem like they hate you because they're pressing you because they're comfortable with you, but. It, is, it has been good. I will tell you a story though because you're a gambling man as noted by uh, the pick of the week but James and I stayed at Mohegan Sun which is a casino up in Connecticut. There's two of them. There's Foxwoods and Mohegan Sun. We stayed at Mohegan and it was supposed to be me and Chris and James so it was you know, family staying there. It was a central place but I told you this offline but it was hilarious when we got there and I look around and there's a bunch of people. There is not a lot of kids and so here's me carrying all this stuff and a three-year-old wheeling his Paw Patrol suitcase and having his backpack through a casino. And I thought, huh, I wonder how this looks to other people.
1: Yeah, they're probably like, who is this degenerate <laughs> that's dragging their kid into the casino and all that stuff? Uh, no doubt about that. Uh, but it's just funny because when you know the circumstances,
0: it's like, oh, just totally get it. Right. But nobody does. And it's almost funnier that way. And I kind of wondered, but what, what they didn't know is that obviously I was going to the casino to put a bet on all of your picks of the week. So they just don't know how degenerate I actually am because all of those picks are for degenerates. But to make it even better, because we were at a hotel that was sort of like a resorty kind of place, there's a lot of services that you can have that are part of the experience, but obviously tipping is part of that experience also. And I'm not somebody who carries a ton of cash with me. So I had to go find cash because we had a couple of things coming up. One of them was room service breakfast I knew I was gonna need to tip for, and there's me and my three-year-old frantically looking for an ATM at 8.30 in the morning. And just a weird look. We find it. It gives me a $100 bill, which I was not expecting. And then there's the degenerate father with his three-year-old going to a bill-breaking machine and having the three-year-old put the bills in the machine to get all the smaller bills. So it was a great time.
1: It's not as bad um, if, as if you would have gone up to like a slot machine and just put it in and then cashed it out immediately and
0: then taking it up to the cage or whatever to catch it in. He wanted to. He wanted oh, to. Oh, I'm sure. He heard, he heard the bling, 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 saw all the bright lights and was like, Daddy, we need to go there. And I was like, that is one place we cannot go, my friend. So all in all, though, it was it was really funny. It's a good, funny story to tell. But we went to the Airbnb after that, and that night, and he said, Daddy, I don't want to stay here. I'm like, why not, dude? Are you scared? And he's like, no, I want to go back to the other hotel. I can't blame him.
1: Yeah, he wants somebody to bring him breakfast, man. Like, you're going to have to hire a butler there at your house just to make sure that James's needs are met.
0: Well, that's the funny part is he's enamored by somebody bringing him breakfast. I do that every day. I don't understand what the difference is, except I don't have a cart that turns into a table. I guess that's all that it is. And, and get
1: a dress nicer, I guess.
0: I guess. I guess. The lady did talk to him about Paw Patrol. So if there's one way to get in his good graces, that is it. So I think on the family front, you and I are both doing pretty well. Uh, James is in soccer, and that's been interesting at his age. But it's the fall, man. It's the time for for that. We're kind of hunkering down a little bit. The weather's getting cooler. I actually have a window open behind me. This is so nice. I don't have the air conditioning on for the first time in seven months. So it's really awesome to just be living life right now. But I'll tell you what, man. If there's somebody who doesn't feel that sentiment, I think that it is Bill Belichick. Would you agree with me on that?
1: Oh, Absolutely.
0: I can't think of somebody who hates losing more than Tom Brady or Bill Belichick and two people that did a lot of winning over the course of their time together. And the Patriots this past weekend fell to one in five. And that's obviously not a record I've seen out of that team since the year 2000, maybe even before that. But I think it's the way that it's happening. And a lot of people are calling Bill Belichick to question and saying a lot of things that I want to discuss here. And I think the one thing that people are saying that I want to debate with you is that Bill Belichick should be fired. So what do you think about that? That's a tricky one
1: because if you would've asked this question five years ago and said, do you think that if uh, if at some point in time Bill Belichick is struggling, they end up, you know, they have a couple of rough years, open the next season, one in five, could you ever fire Bill Belichick? I think it would have been a unanimous like, no way, man! You let this guy go out on his own terms. But that being said, like in the moment, and especially, it's not like they were competing for a championship last year, and then they got torn apart. The roster got picked apart in free agency or something. I mean, and now they're getting off to a rough start. Like that's not what happened. Um, it this is a been a downward trend what over the last what three years
0: or so? I was and, gonna say yeah, downward trend for sure.
1: Yeah, and it just keeps keeps getting worse and worse. I mean, the NFL, man, I, I it's pretty cutthroat. I don't think that there's any any free passes um, in in the National Football League. But and, and I want to hear your thoughts on it too, but I do want to say this a plant the seed to discuss further. To some extent, I wonder is Bill Belichick mastermind enough, competitive enough that somehow, some way this is
0: intentional? I think that there does come a time where if you are a coach that has any sort of forward thinking, then you need to be thinking about the next season if your goal, because the goal for every team is to win a Super Bowl, right? Like every year, every team, no matter what franchise they are, wants to win the Super Bowl. But after a while, we start to find out who is going to be capable of that and who is not. And if you're one of the teams that is not, you should be thinking about the next year, And for the Patriots, I think there are a couple things that are true. I think the first thing that is true is I think that he, Bill Belichick, and Bill O'Brien know that Mac Jones is not it. Like, I think that they know that. And I have been somebody who's said he has played well in spots, but as these games have gone on this season, I think it's very obvious that he has regressed. Like, very much so. To the point that his regression is highlighting even more their lack of skill position players, which is something that I've said about them for years. I think the other issue is that Bill Belichick, the GM, is doing a terrible job over the last few years where I think when he was the GM, when Brady was there, that was cover for a lot of mistakes that you could make in the free agency market or the trade market because they had a lot of guys that they brought in. Like, they gave up a first-round pick for Mohamed Sanu, and he was on the team for six games and then they jettisoned him. He was gone. Those are assets that I think are a mistake. And when you have a quarterback like Mac Jones, I think that they're even more exacerbated. But I think the coach himself is still a good coach. Like I think Bill Belichick hasn't lost it in the coaching department. I think it's a personnel. But now that we're sitting at one and five, I said it two games ago, I hope the Patriots lose every game from here on out. I'm not rooting for them to lose, but Caleb Williams is on the horizon. And can you imagine how pissed off people would be if the Patriots get the number one pick and draft Caleb Williams, who's a guy who, for all intents and purposes, looks like he's going to be the real deal in the NFL? I mean, obviously, the last couple of games, he's had some iffy throws, but that's going to happen for quarterbacks. They're going to learn. They're going to progress. Even the best have bad games. But it's not out of the realm of possibility that it is on purpose now, seeing how bad it is, because they can't recover from one and five.
1: No, they can't recover from one and five. And I, I'm going to take this a step further. And I heard this elsewhere, and I'm like, interesting, unlikely, but interesting. It's a it's a fun talking point. Bill Belichick, um, I guess, is on record. Well, he's from the Nashville area. Uh, him, he's mentioned many times. Him and his wife really like the Nashville area. Apparently, they own a home there, so on and so forth. And like I saw, I think the reference it was made is, what if there was a trade, a coach's trade between Mike Vrabel. Um, and Bill Belichick at some point in time. Or let's say that the season ends and, you know, because the Titans aren't having a very good year, Mike Rabel might be on the hot seat. Is he basically running the Patriots organization into the ground with the foresight of, like, you know, I'm going to have to compete against enough other people as it is. I'm going to make sure this place isn't one of them (laughs) that's going to be a concern for a while. He he strikes me as the type of person that would do that, that would play the long game in that way. but. A lot would have to happen. He'd obviously have to have the desire to do that in order for it to happen. But oh yeah, but yeah, there's this is going to be a really great draft for quarterbacks at least on the surface. When you look at some of the talent, you know, Michael Penix Jr., Caleb Williams, Bo Nix, um, Drake May, Drake May. Yep, that was the one I was going to struggle with for a second. Yeah, so there's some very good quarter. There's a lot of like so that's like the top tier, right? Those are your A quarterbacks. There's a lot of like B quarterbacks too that are pretty solid. So. It, it'll it be interesting to see kind of how that unfolds, but it's very bizarre to see this. It Do you think that this solidifies that Tom Brady was the straw that stirred the drink during the dynasty?
0: The players play. So at the end of the day, the players are the ones that win these championships, but I think that multiple things can be true. I think that they don't have the success without Tom Brady, but I also think that if Tom Brady goes anywhere else, it's not a guarantee that he turns into Tom Brady because I think even though everybody whiffed on him in the draft, the fact that he went to New England and they were able to have the pieces around him. Remember they had Charlie Weiss was there as their offensive coordinator, former Notre Dame coach, I believe, right? And he was a great coordinator and did great things for the development of Tom Brady in those first few years. I mean, you saw the development happen over time and then at some point Tom became Tom and they didn't need anything except when Josh McDaniels comes in and they write up an offensive scheme that plays to his strengths and redefines the NFL with the two tight end look with Aaron Hernandez, whose name we're not supposed to talk about, and Rob Gronkowski. And I think that it doesn't, like I think people too often want to paint a picture of it's either one or the other. I don't think that the Patriots have 20 years of success in six Super Bowls if both of those things aren't true. I just don't think so. Because the coach before was Pete Carroll. Do you think Pete Carroll is able to get everything out of Tom Brady in that same way? I don't I don't know. It's it's very possible. So I think that they're both true. I don't think that I'm not in the game of saying that it was either one or the other, but I think the player's play. So a player should get more credit for the play that happens on the field, but you could look at a ton of games where coaching really really mattered. Like that Falcons game in the Super Bowl. A lot of that was coaching because Dan Quinn got out-coached and Kyle Shanahan got out-coached. On the other side? Does that happen if somebody else is the quarterback? Are they even in that position? I think that it's both, to be honest.
1: Yeah, no, that's a good point. I think you're right. Um, another thing that popped into my mind about Belichick uh, while you're speaking was sometimes it feels like, you know, coaches, everybody has an ego and coaches and professional athletes maybe more so than the average person. You know, he feels like he might be smarter than everyone else. You know, I feel like he, he wants all of your third, fourth, and fifth round draft picks that he can grab up because he thinks he can see something in players that no one else is going to see. It's funny because what it makes me think about, totally different sports, but a similar situation. Iowa wrestling had a dynasty for years under Dan Gable through the 80s and 90s. And then you know they went through another coach, with Jim Zaleski, after Gable retired. And then Tom Brands came in after a few years and he's been there since. But Iowa... You know, they were the only show in the country. Yeah, there were other good teams, but they were just dominating everyone. And then, you know, it's kind of built on the backs of this, like, this tough-in-your-face mindset, right? I mean, they got coined, you know, the Iowa style, right? Uh, when you say Iowa style to a wrestling person, they know exactly what you're talking about. You know, so I think, that the coaches, like, as is, is recently as, I don't know, 10 years ago, the coaches were recruiting a very specific type of person that they were looking for. You know, they were trying to find people that thought like them that that approached wrestling like them and bypassing a lot of top tier talent blue chip talent to find what they considered to be the right people and then they just started getting the break speed off them by Penn State who had more talent and talent at the end of the day won right and you know so they kind of they started to change their philosophy a little bit started getting into some of these uh these homes with these blue chip recruits and things have changed some but when you know, it makes me think about that same mentality. Like Bill Belichick, you know, he thinks yeah, you know, he, he did have success with maybe certain types of players in his mind. You know, so he's everyone else is sort of caught up, and he hasn't evolved maybe in his approach to personnel. And I, I don't know if that's part of what's catching up to him. In addition to losing Tom Brady and things like that, I mean, and the guy has cycled through a lot of coaches because everybody gets hired from that staff, and I mean, they eventually return for a couple of years and they get hired elsewhere. But, I mean, it's it, it's almost like Alabama, except for they don't have success. Uh, at least Nick Saban's assistants seem to have a little bit of success once they leave. But, no, just a couple interesting tidbits.
0: I think that you're you're right in this element because I think what happened, I think la- Tom Brady's last year in New England, the way that it ended, remember they were 8-0 at one point in that season, and they were the shakiest 8-0 team because you thought they hadn't played anybody yet. And they went 4-4 and down the stretch and lost in the first round to Mike Vrabel and the Titans. And I think that that year was 2019. It highlighted the fact that the league had already started to change. And Brady was successful in Tampa because they put a super team around him. I mean, he was in his 40s, but they needed a lot of talent around him for him to be able to do what he did. But look at the rest of the league. Look at the teams that are really, really good. They all have a lot of talent. And look at the Dolphins. Look at the Bills. Look at the Chiefs. They all had guys who could spread the field, who could thread the needle, whatever you want to use for that. But like Mahomes is on another level in how he plays quarterback. I think this league is all about talent. I don't think that you can get by on grit alone. Like the Patriots teams of the 2000s got by because they played really good defense and did just enough to win on the offensive side. Playing good defense now, especially against some of these teams is, I mean, you're you're still giving up 20 points. 20, 25 points. And the Patriots can't score that because they don't have any talent. So you need talent. You need a guy, especially a quarterback. And I just don't think that Mac Jones is talented enough to be an NFL quarterback. And if that mindset is true that you're talking about, if you're not getting the talent, then it doesn't matter anymore because now the NFL is more like college in that way where you look at these teams and yes, any given Sunday and all that, but Most of the time, the more talented team wins, and the Patriots are one of the least talented in the league. So no matter what Belichick does, they're at a deficiency.
1: Yeah, well, I was just thinking about this. If you went up to just, like, the average person on the street, like not a diehard football fan, but someone that's at least aware, and you said, who is the quarterback of the Buffalo Bills? They would probably know the answer to that question. Josh Allen. Okay, like a casual fan. What's the name of their head coach? Of the Buffalo Bills. I bet you they would be like, uh, uh, even I have to think about that. I believe it's Sean McDermott, right? Yeah, it is. Okay. So, is that how bad, the, but my thing is this if you said, who's the head coach of the New England Patriots, they would say, well, Bill Belichick, who's the quarterback? Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, that's, that's the difference, right? I mean, and that, that's just it. That shows you right there that you don't have, uh, don't get me wrong. There's probably there's some quarterbacks in the league that people aren't going to know their names that are good quarterbacks, but for the most part, if, If the first person you can think about from an organization is the head coach, that's the first person that pops into a casual fan's head and not a player on the roster. I mean, dude, I don't know if I could, outside of Mac Jones, Ezekiel Elliott.
0: And those aren't even fair, really.
1: I don't know if I could name another player on the Patriots roster. How
0: about uh, Juju Smith-Schuster? Okay,
1: yeah. But it's, it's just like, it's tough, man. Like, cause it's there are there are not superstars, and you have to have those types of guys to win games.
0: Thing is, is they have a lot of talent on defense, and they just lost Christian Gonzalez, who has been an amazing first round pickup, and then Matt Judon has been awesome too. Both of them are out for the whole season, so the defense is just completely tanked. But you talked about like people knowing his name, and here's what I think is happening: He's very, very close to breaking Don Shula's record, his all time win record. And I think he's hanging around for that reason. So the theory about him going to Nashville, at his age, he's, what, 71 years old? You talk about being stubborn. Like, does he really want to start over at an organization completely? And is he really going to be handed anything great there? I mean, I I know Will Levis is sitting on the bench there, but how much does he really have? Because that's a very, it's an aging team. That's why Vrabel is technically on the hot seat. I don't think Vrabel's on the hot seat more than I think he's looking for another opportunity. And I think if Michigan beats Ohio State, That opportunity is right there. Mike Vrabel to Ohio State. Dave said it. I can't agree more. It it makes perfect sense to me. So Mike Vrabel is either going to be with the Titans or he's going to be at Ohio State probably would be my guess. I mean, he could go to New England, I guess, but it just doesn't seem plausible. But a lot of people are saying that Bill Belichick is being selfish for sticking around to try to break Shula's record. But if you're in that game and in that space, don't you want immortality? Isn't that what you play for?
1: I think, yeah, and Bill Belichick strikes me as that type of person that is very aware of that fact you know he he's competitive, right and you don't keep doing this I mean I, I can't imagine that he would have um, he would keep dragging himself through the mud if there weren't some other
0: uh, motivation yeah, like don't don't you think Bill Belichick knows if he doesn't have it like he doesn't strike me as the type who is not aware when he doesn't have it. Like, he seems like one of the most self-aware people on the planet. Man, see,
1: a lot, I feel like a lot of athletes, coaches, a lot of professionals, right? I even think of uh the one that sticks out in my head that's local here is the radio broadcaster for the Bradley Braves, which has been, like, the voice of Bradley basketball for my entire life and then for years prior. And they had a big celebration for him, I don't know, five years ago or so. He reached a milestone. And I remember so, seeing, like, a clip, and he goes, you know, there's people around me. He goes, I don't want to overstay. You know, there's people around me who will tell me when I start to slip and and things like that. And I, I want to make sure I I don't do a disservice to the to the job and all this stuff. But like the dude, I mean, and this I'll do. I love the guy. I mean, like I said, he's been like ingrained in my you know childhood memories and everything associated with Bradley basketball. The dude struggles these days, man. Like I mean, it's it's bad, especially knowing how he was like in his prime. He's struggling. And it's like, man, I remember him saying that, like, when it got rough, that he would he would step away. And it's like, I feel like maybe he just can't bring himself to do it. And I think a lot of people say that they say that, like, oh, I want to step away before, you know, I have to be like taken out the pasture and put out of my misery. But they never do. Rarely do they do, you know, or do they do it? Barry Sanders (laughs) might be like one of the big ones that pops into pops into mind. uh, That's a little different. Andrew Luck in a way, but that was kind of weird, those circumstances and in which he retired.
0: Similar to Barry Sanders, if I'm being perfectly honest. Sure, and I'm not as familiar,
1: um, full transparency, I'm not as familiar with the Barry Sanders retirement situation. I mean, I I think a lot of people say that, and and you would want that for yourself until you're in that moment, and then I think people have a hard time walking away.
0: That means we should walk away, because aren't we supposed to be talking about, aren't we supposed to be uh, transparent and say like, well, if we don't have it, And, you know, people probably think we don't have it, so we should just leave. But maybe you're right. Maybe he is delusional in that fact. Maybe he is pushing to try to attain something that is just not attainable. But here's the thing. He has to know, like you always said it, the coach knows when he doesn't have it. And I'm talking about his team. He knows that this team doesn't have it. 100% he knows this. So if he's going to stick around to try to get this record, then the only other plausible path forward is to get better damn players so you can win more games because they're not going to get, he's not going to get there winning four games a season because I think he needs like 20 wins. He's not going to make it winning four games a season. He's going to need a couple of 10 win seasons in there and the only way to do that is to get better players. Like maybe we don't know how good Mac Jones is because the players that he has been brought in to deal with suck and I think that's fair.
1: I've heard uh, he's not very well liked um, in the locker room. That you know, there's you know, talk of there've been some situations where other teams have taken like cheap shots, and typically you see like people's team, especially the quarterback, right? Like people coming to the quarterback's defense. Well, I guess there's a couple instances where Mac Jones has gotten cheap shotted or whatever, and like nobody comes
0: to stick up for him. I think he's whiny. I don't think that he embodies the quote unquote patriot way. Kyle Schwarber just hit a massive home run, three nothing Phillies. And I think that he doesn't embody what a Belichick team and the players that play there. Like a lot of players that play for Belichick still want to embody that same mentality, the do your job mentality. And Mac Jones honestly has whined a lot when things don't go his way. And I don't know if he's the kind of player that can get through adversity. Think about everything that he has done up until this point. I mean, everything at Alabama, that year, that he won the national championship, everything was easy because he's thrown to Devontae Smith and all these other great players on that offense. He didn't really have to do a whole lot. He's never really had adversity, probably his entire life. Like Mac Jones, didn't he grow up in kind of a wealthy family, a wealthy situation? Like, has his life ever been hard? And now for the first time in his football life, it's hard. And he doesn't seem like the kind of guy who can get past that adversity. And other players on the team who are playing through injury, who are nicked up, they don't want to see that. They don't want to see a guy whining because he's struggling. Get in the damn get in the film room, read the playbook and learn how to throw the ball on the field. Like that's what they're going to say to him. I think that's really what it is and I I would not be surprised if they do not like him in the locker room. They said the same thing about Carson Wentz and where is he now?
1: Yeah, sit on a couch somewhere, right?
0: Yeah, probably going to be the starters for the Jets at some point in the season if Zach Wilson goes down.
1: Is he on their roster?
0: Is he on their no, roster anywhere? No, no no, so, no, yeah. no, 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 th- no. That was one of the guys I think you posited they should bring in or think about bringing in. And I was like, absolutely not. Abs- I don't know if
1: I said I that. I just was listing off Roll tape. a lot of these quarterbacks that are sitting at home and saying, you know, do you think they bring in? one of these former starters that are out of the game.
0: You wanted to see Carson Wentz back. You know that you did. By the way, Joe Girardi's doing a hell of a job with this Phillies team right now. They are a team of destiny. So, uh, but continuing to talk about the NFL, man, I think we'll we'll watch Bill Volacek's future. I think they're going to win three, four games maybe this season. And it wouldn't surprise me if he retired. It also wouldn't surprise me if he said F you and just came back and coached with maybe even a worse team or Caleb Williams. And oh, there you go. But the NFL has continued their expansion to Europe. Now, it's something we've talked about or you talked about with Tallboy Radio. God, what, in April sometime? And yeah. they just had another episode, by the way, where they talked to an NFL person over there. I think it's an NFL podcaster who lives in the UK about the expansion. But the NFL just wrapped up all their London games. And I'm going to say this, and it doesn't mean to be disparaging. I remember nothing from any of the London games. And I watched all three of them.
1: I don't remember anything outside of the game, but I mean, how often do you remember anything beyond what happens on the field and a lot of other games, you know? I mean, I, I don't find myself watching a lot of NFL games and being like, man, this atmosphere is crazy, you know? And so I I think I just watch it. I almost forget it's in London, you know? It's just, to me, it just seems like any other NFL game, honestly. And I don't really mind the, the early game. It's like, it just fills the
0: day even more with football. Yeah, it doesn't bother me that it's at 930, but I think the NFL is very clearly trying to push a move to London in some fashion. And we talked about this offline a couple of days ago, but now we're looking at what they've done. And they did an experiment this time. And I think even Roger Goodell said it on the airwaves or in an interview somewhere that the Buffalo Bills were kind of an experiment to see what would happen if a team was over there and the Jags were there for two weeks, two weeks in a row. And what would happen to teams that had to go over there without any of that rest, without getting to bur- to prep? Because that first game, both teams go over there at the same time and they have time to prep. But the Buffalo Bills go on a short week. And I thought it was interesting to hear the commissioner say this out loud, that the Buffalo Bills were being used as a guinea pig. But it's obvious that they want to put a team there. It seems like the Jacksonville Jaguars are the team that they're eyeing. There has to be data to support this in terms of the play- people not going to the games in Jacksonville but i think they want more do you agree are you saying you think they want more than more than one team
1: or yeah. more than okay so yeah we talked about this and um to talk about the jaguars specifically when i did the episode with the tallboy radio guys they you know they were very adamant that they thought it would be a struggle to put a team there permanently because they wouldn't have a fan base that when they have these games now it's more of a celebration of American football in general, everybody comes out in their own little specific team jerseys of the team they root for and it like I said just a general celebration. It's not the passionate fan base for one specific team. There would be no home field advantage. Those are the types of points they're making. Fair points. But my thought is is the Jags seem to be the team that they're putting over there more and more. And so is like is this something that the NFL is aware of? You know, are they aware of this fact that they know that they're going to have to already have an established fan base there before they move a team? So are they trying to slowly develop and grow, a, an organically grow a fan base of Jaguars fans in London in preparation of, even if it's 10 years from now, fully moving them uh, to the UK, to London specifically, and they'll move in with a full, up-and-coming, growing, existing fan base. And so that's that's one interesting piece. And then I think when we talked about more than one team Do you say two teams? Do you say a division and then a division, a full division? Now we're talking about expansion. You and I, I think, both agree that you can't really put an expansion team in Europe because they're not going to be any good to start out with. I I think it'll kind of fall on its face. I think you have to put established brands and established stars over there if you wanted to have any chance because otherwise if it's an expansion team it's just going to be a glorified version of the NFL Europe that failed miserably because it's going to be a bunch of mid players who aren't at that elite level and they're not going to draw fans. So so that means you need to move existing teams there. And so then that brings up the discussion of who else would be a good fit to relocate to the UK or to Europe. And then if those teams move to Europe and you're going to do some sort of expansion, what cities In the United States are worthy and capable of hosting an NFL franchise.
0: I think that that's the tough part. The last part is where do you expand the NFL in this country? Because the major networks or the major major cities have already really been populated. And it's not like baseball, which is what we're going to talk about next. It's not a regional sport. It's a national sport. The NFL is huge. Like, you can now watch every team on Red Zone or Sunday Ticket or whatever. It doesn't matter where you live. You don't have to root for the team that is in your city. So I don't know where they expand to, and I think you're, you're right. They can't put an expansion team in London. They just, they cannot put a crappy team in a brand new city, especially an international city, that they have been feeding all of these teams over the last decade plus, and then say, okay, Here's the bottom of the barrel in terms of team. So thank you for your loyalty. Here's your prize. An absolutely shitty team for God knows how long because the NFL, it's salary cap sport, drafting and everything. You gotta get a lot of the things right and an expansion team is starting at the bottom. At the bottom. And the the only expansion team that I know that has done anything with itself in the five years is what, the Golden Knights just won the Stanley Cup and they went the first year? That's an outlier.
1: Well, the Jags, the Jags. I think, the I want to say early on, with the year they brought in the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Carolina Panthers, that both of them, if it wasn't the first year, it might have been like the second year. I think they both made it to like the NFC, AFC
0: championship games, respectively, if I'm not mistaken. They did, and then there has been a lot of low periods, more for the Panthers than anything else. The Panthers had a slight resurgence in the early 2000s and the Jaguars had a couple of good years there. But I mean, there have been a lot of bad years. It's just, it stinks because you're starting at the bottom. And, uh, and also Tom Coughlin was their coach. Like, who do you get to go coach out there? There's so many other factors in bringing a team out of the United States to London. And it's not like, it's not Canada where you can just, take a hop, skip, and a jump right over the border and be there, it's hours and hours in another time zone, like of a, a even further time zone. There's just a lot of other factors that go into it. I'm curious how the NFL goes with this though because I feel like they have already been leading on the people of London and the people of England for long enough. At some point, they gotta pull the trigger because you'd think they wanna tap into that market 100% instead of just a few times a year, right? You'd think so, but then maybe there's an argument to be made that would you
1: rather get a hundred percent attendance and whatever else that comes along with it four times a year, as opposed to if you only got sixty percent attendance, you know I guess you split the schedule in half, what nine times a year, eight times a year. I mean, I'm sure I don't know someone smarter than me could determine the worthiness of that. But another aspect that the TBR guys made or a point they made was that the taxes over there are significantly higher they are taxed at a much higher rate yes than we are here which would make i mean we see it just here in the united states that players want to play in the states that have no state income tax yes uh you see that a lot and so like it's going to be tough probably to attract free agents high profile free agents to these teams in europe and and i can't imagine what the difference it's not like we're saying when we say europe i mean we're talking a continent right like It's not like if you put four teams in the UK, that's one thing, but I don't think that's realistic. You're going to have to, for the sake of having a chance at getting a good draw for these franchises, you're going to have to go like London, Paris, Munich, Barcelona. I mean, those types of places, right? Those types of cities. And we're talking about four different countries, not four different cities, four different countries, four different governments, four different like culture. I mean, There's so many aspects of that, so many layers that would have to be considered. And it's, uh, you know, that's just, when you really go down the rabbit hole with it, it's kind of overwhelming to think about all the, all the details that would have to be thought about.
0: Well, look at the model of like the Euros that happen every two years and how much logistical issues there are with these teams, these national teams traveling within the continent. I mean, all these, all these teams in Europe Germany, Spain, France, Italy. Don't forget about Italy. I think the NFL, and I'm going to, this is a theory that I have. I think that they're looking at international soccer and seeing how much it has grown. And they're trying to tap into some of that because these stadiums are massive. And you have a ton of them in all of these countries in Europe. And I think that they believe that they can make the NFL more than it is right now in Europe. But logistically, it's going to take a lot. And I just feel like, they they either have to decide that they're going to stay where they're at where they are I, but i think that the hurdle that they need to to clear i think it's the next collective bargaining agreement i think that because a lot of this stuff with taxes and everything that has to be collectively bargained they have to want to put those things in there the players do i mean because as you said like there's a lot of concessions like if they do an expansion team out there and you're like oh you're part of the expansion draft you know player pool now it's like oh awesome like now I could possibly be drafted over there to a place I don't want to live. I got to move my whole family over there, pay exorbitant taxes. And I didn't ask for any of this. And so I think it does have to be collectively bargained, but there's, they seem to be doing more. I mean, we got games coming up in Germany and that's what I'm asking is like, the goalposts keep moving. At, at what point does something materialize?
1: I mean, this is this is really unprecedented, right? There's no other professional sports league that, that functions. Like I understand like that there's some soccer and things that maybe crosses... Uh, borders to some degree, but like there's no other, something about, I mean, yeah, you go to like England, that's one thing, but like you go to Paris, you go to Munich, you go to Barcelona, you go to, you know, somewhere in Italy, we're talking of Rome, whatever, like language barrier to, you know, on top of it, you know, so not only you're talking about exorbitant taxes, you're talking about different cultures, a language barrier, and it's not like you just have yourself, you have your entire, Family to consider in this process. I mean, I guess there's people that work for major corporations. They get sent to work in other countries uh, for periods of time. But I, I mean, I'm assuming they maybe have a choice, but uh, maybe not, and they're forced to move to to China or wherever the wherever the work is. I don't know. I, I mean, it maybe isn't as big of a deal as I think it might be. But you know, we don't see. There are no uh, Premier League teams in the United States. You know, there are no, you know, I don't know, like, obviously, China has their own basketball league. You know, I, I mean, there, there's just no, we're not mixing the waters, right, a whole bunch. And so this this would be really unprecedented. And uh, it's a daunting task.
0: Yes. And it's just funny watching some of these sports leagues treat themselves like they're nations in this world. I think the NBA and the NFL think that. But I think that baseball and hockey are a little bit different. And we'll switch to baseball for a second because we have to talk about it. The playoffs are on right now. And the playoffs have been kind of wholly boring because a lot of teams have just run roughshod through in these series. But I did record with my boy, Jonesy. We did Flashing the Leather the other night, which is now out in audio. It will be out in video a little bit later this week. And we kind of broke down everything that's happened in the playoffs up until now. But I made a comment to him, and he didn't take the bait, He kind of took it but didn't, but I know you will. And I said that baseball is really a regional sport. It's not really a national sport the way that it once was because, I said, looking at these last four teams here, Major League Baseball does not want the Texas Rangers in the World Series. They don't want the Arizona Diamondbacks in the World Series. They want the Phillies. They want the Astros because they want polarizing, and they want cities that can actually move the needle And I don't know if he agrees with that or not, but I think that that is 100% true about baseball, and baseball will never try to do what the NFL is doing and reach to other countries permanently. So
1: I think that you are right, and I think that pretty much every sports league in our country operates that way, with the exception of probably the NFL. I think every other sports league really wants there to be major markets in their championship game, in their championship series, in the playoffs. If they could help it, because there just isn't, there's not a lot. It's like even the NCAA tournament, you know, for CBS or whoever holds that contract, I guarantee you they want that Final Four to be Kansas, Kentucky, Duke, Villanova, Syracuse. You know, they want these big name blue blood programs. They don't want to see, you know, Loyola Chicago, St. Francis, uh, Butler. I mean, Butler's kind of shifted into maybe a more of a national brand. You know, since they've joined the Big East, they've had some long-term success. They're they're like a poor man's Gonzaga, very poor man's Gonzaga in a sense. But you know, they they don't want to see that. They want the money is with the big with the big program. So I'm the type of person where like I'm going to be more inclined to tune in if there's an underdog involved. But I also concede that that's not how most how the average person views things, and that there is probably more money to be made by being the major brand. So I would agree with you. I think that's right. But I don't think it's unique to baseball. I I think that that's something that you could say about pretty much every other league with the exception of the NFL because millions and millions, maybe billions of people are going to watch the Super Bowl no matter who's playing because it's the Super Bowl. That's my opinion.
0: You don't think the NBA comes close?
1: I would say no, but that's because I'm not a big NBA fan. So, I mean, I think nationally more people would be inclined to watch the finals if it was LeBron the lakers and the knicks you know i uh, i mean or the celtics and the bulls or you know i know they're in the same whatever but i i think those big brands are gonna get more of a draw than if you had the memphis grizzlies and the utah jazz oh good in the Lord. finals you know what i mean like no, that's I what i'm saying exactly like you, you hear that and you're like who wants to watch that nobody and they're small markets or smaller markets comparatively speaking i don't know I, whereas if you got the browns and Gosh, the Cardinals in the Super Bowl, I don't think it's going to hurt the number.
0: Yeah, the Super Bowl has now gotten to celebrity status in that it kind of transcends what popular, like, it transcends everything, right? Like, people go to Super Bowl parties, but you're right, they don't go to NBA finals parties. I think that a lot of that comes from football being the only sport where their championship is a singular game, whereas everything else is a series, so it takes a long time to sort of play out. But the Super Bowl is a one-time event. A lot of the investors, a lot of the the sponsors can hone in on that one event, and they do, obviously, with the, the commercials and stuff like that. But I think with baseball, like the league, what the league wants and what the viewer Wants are two different things. I think that if you're a baseball person, it doesn't matter who makes it, you're gonna watch the World Series, right? But for me, if it's the Diamondbacks, who I don't know any players off of, it's not as intriguing. The Texas Rangers are a fun team if you're a baseball person, but if not, it's not that big of a deal to you. But the Astros, as you said this about Bill Belichick, if you went and asked people about the Astros, most, most people either love them or hate them because of the cheating scandal. So that moves the needle. Philadelphia, either you love or hate Philly period. And that's a city that moves. Boston's the same way. People didn't like the Patriots being in the Super Bowl because they wanted to tune in to hate Boston. And that's how you get people to the yard. Like, that's why we want the haters to watch this show, because it's fine if you watch us to take us. But it's just something that brought up and he kind of looked at me funny when I said it. But I was like, I think I'm correct. I don't think that baseball is this sport that captures the nation's attention the way that it once did. And I think it's been a long time since that. That doesn't mean that it's not a good product. I mean, we talked about the NHL playoffs and how these cities get ramped up for their teams. Like, you go to Columbus, you go to Nashville. It may not be a national sport where nobody has a clue who's on the Nashville Predators, but man, those fans are into it. Yeah, I, and like again, I think
1: you could apply that to every sport for the most part. The NBA is the closest to the NFL out of all of them, for sure. And I know it's not something that baseball purists want to believe and it's not something they see because baseball purists see the game a certain way and and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. I love baseball. You know, I, I love like, you know, in Bull Durham, you know, Kevin Costner's lines ba- about baseball. You know, like I mean, there is there's something romantic about baseball and it is America's pastime. I think it still is. I don't think you could say it's our it's not a national our national game anymore. I think that is definitely football. Baseball is this, and this. I'm going to make this analogy, and, and I make this, again, like I said, let me preface by saying I love baseball. I love baseball as it exists. I don't want to, I mean, I, I'm all about, you know, I, I've been on record saying, you know, evolve or die, all that stuff. I do think you have to tweak the game uh, to improve the quality and the fan experience, but at the core of baseball, like it, it needs to stay the way it is. <clears throat> and so, but baseball is the equivalent of, it's the three yards in a cloud of dust football offense of national sports, right? It's it's one of those things where if you don't really know what you're watching, you're like, this is boring and it doesn't make any sense to me. It's not exciting. And yeah, maybe there's a few moments where, you know, it's we're just running the ball to the middle, run the ball to the middle. Like I said, three yards in a cloud of dust. Maybe once in a while, a guy breaks, breaks one of those for a 40-yard touchdown or something. And that's kind of like baseball, right? Strikeout, walk, strikeout, walk, boom. 450 foot home run and so but it's just like you're sitting there kind of getting lulled to sleep and then something excites you get this burst of excitement and i think that's why baseball fans would tell you that's their favorite part is like the game could turn on its head in a split second which is really exciting but the rest of it to the i, I to the uninformed to the casual fan who isn't really into the nuance of the game is incredibly boring Wrestling, wrestling, the sport that I love, is very similar. If you don't know what you're watching, you're like, this is just one guy laying on top of the other guy. I'm not doing anything. This is boring. And then, yeah, there, there's little moments of excitement where something happens, you know, and like, but if you don't know what you're watching, you're just, you're not entertained by it, right? And that's why, I mean, there are very passionate wrestling fans, but it's not a national sport. It's not a sport that draws the casual fans. So I, I don't want to say baseball is falling back to the level of amateur wrestling, because it's not, but it's, it's, um, uh, It's a tough game to get excited about if you aren't, like, all in. You know what I mean?
0: I do know what you mean. Like, my wife will not watch a baseball game, a regular season baseball game on TV, but she'd gladly go in person because it's just a different experience. Yeah. And there's 162 of them. I just want to say, though, you and I deserve apologies because, man, a lot of people did not like what we said about the pitch clock. The pitch clock has been a massive success for baseball to the point that it's a non-factor in the playoffs because guess what all the players adapted how about that all the players adapted and i said this the other night that if you still hate on the pitch clock that you're just a hater at this point you're anti-fun
1: i would yeah i would agree with that uh we were in favor of the pitch clock i think it's been a success i don't know how you could say it hasn't been i don't cuz i don't think it's one of those rules that i think improved the fan experience that did not change the core of what makes baseball baseball. It didn't change the game. And don't come at me with your arguments about, well, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, the the game'smanship that happens between a pitcher and a batter, holding the ball, trying to make them step out, you know, taking your time between pitches to slow the game down a little bit if uh, maybe you're struggling or you're trying to get a team out of a, you know, trying to stop a rally or whatever the case may be. You know what? If you want to stop a rally, get them out. You know what I'm saying? Get them out, like stand on the damn rubber, however long you I, I don't see how that changes things. And again, I, I'm, I'm all about gamesmanship, but I just don't think that that that's not something that we're missing.
0: No, they're finding other ways for gamesmanship, as we saw last series with Bryce Harper staring at the short step as he rounds second base, because it's something that the guy said in the clubhouse the day before. Sports players are always going to find bullet bulletin board material and all that Well, once again, we're going to strike Urban Meyer from the record because we are going to talk about him because he's on Fox every single week. And it's just weird to me that he's getting this spotlight. I want to deep dive one day into Swamp Kings because that is a documentary that people are still watching. It's massively successful. And I just don't understand what a guy has to do to be finally taken off of television, to be excommunicated from a sport. What does Urban Meyer have to do? He's done everything he can to F up in every way. And yet, like, he's out there at the Ohio State-Maryland game. They're like, here's Urban on the sideline. They're doing, like, a weird sort of human interest piece. I don't give a shit.
1: Right. Well, and he was on the sideline, right? Because the Fox crew, I think, was was there, right? Weren't they?
0: Yes, It wasn't they were. like he
1: was there on his own accord. I mean, no. he was there for work, right? But still, yeah, I, I mean, they had to make sure, right, that they pointed that out, that uh, it became a story and – I, uh, which I mean, I guess if you had a a former coach that was highly successful and then left the way he left, that ended up back at the at that place, it would probably be mentioned no matter who the coach was. But yeah, there is something. Uh, the guy just seems to land on his feet though, which is
0: just wild. He's like he's like Trump Teflon,
1: and yeah, it's, yeah, right. I mean, he just it, it's like it's the antithesis of like Mel Tucker, and I mean, not that. The uh, offenses are the same, but like the the woman, you know, they're similar, right? I mean, they're in the same vein a little bit, you know, they're in the same category, very broad category, but it, it's just the sleaziness of both of them, uh, you know, is similar, I would say. And so it's just weird that Urban Meyer just, he just keeps rolling it. And I tell you what, man, I don't think that he's off the, it's not, I think he could end up. Being a uh, coaching somewhere, I know uh, at the college level here in the next couple of years.
0: Trust me, there's Texas some A&M. Maybe that's what I'm saying. There's some program that's going to be so desperate for relevancy that they're going to bring him back, win a national championship, and then he's going to screw them over like he does every other program. Remember when he retired from Florida because of health issues, want to spend time with his family. I just I can't like I, they're glorifying this. I get it. I I know what you're saying, but watching that documentary just really pissed me off and then the way that big noon does it and budge was right big noon sucks it absolutely sucks and not compared to game day it objectively sucks
1: yeah, the only thing I like about it is Brady Quinn, but it's just a Notre Dame That's thing. That's a um, to say. That's
0: a Notre Dame home. Yeah, right it doesn't there. have
1: anything to do with the broadcast. No, I, I'm not a fan of it, and I don't. I hate the fact that you know they were in Boulder four weeks in a row, or yes. or at a Colorado game, shit like that. Yeah, I mean mix it up a little bit. Uh, one thing is funny. I think what made the Swamp Kings thing so interesting is that you have you either watched it, not me, but you either watch. I watched it, but you either watched it and thought almost felt bad for Urban Meyer. Or, no, but I I didn't. But I'm saying I could see how someone who maybe doesn't know the situation as well as others might have, like, felt some sort of, like, pity on him. But then those who know, who are familiar with what happened there, watch it, and you're like, this guy is so smug and full of shit. I mean, it just pissed you off. It was
0: infuriating how do you have a documentary about Urban Meyer and they only mention Aaron Hernandez's name once as a big recruit coming into campus? Are you kidding me?
1: Right. Yeah, now I don't know. I know that, I I don't know for sure. I'm assuming he got in some trouble while at Florida, but I mean, the murder, murderers, I don't, was after he was long gone from Florida. So it's like, I don't know how relevant that is to the situation. But again, I'm sure that, he was far from an angel uh, at his time at Gainesville.
0: I think that's the point, is there's a lot of players that were on those squads that had problems. And they sort of talked about the the arrest, and he's like, I just didn't know what to do. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, get control of your team, for God's sakes. But, hey, who am I to say it? But you know what, man? I, I feel like, you got, I, this has got me fired up. We should have just struck this from, from the record. But I think we need something to sort of reset It's been a while. We did not have a show last week or the week before. We didn't have college kickoff leave last week. So what do you say we rev it up a little bit? Ah, yes, the familiar song and dance known as Crunch Time, where Coach and I like to pick 10 or more games, depending on how things are going, from the NFL and from college. And boy, last week, my friend, uh, neither of us did well two weeks ago, but you had a particularly abysmal week going one and nine. I have lengthened my lead. And you know what's great about this is you're going to be giving somebody some gambling advice a little bit later. However, are you ready, Coach? yeah
1: looking forward i just want to say this though pick of the week's been solid so i save all my good picks for the pick of the week but that being said ice man let's fire it up
0: all right we're gonna start number seven penn state traveling to number three ohio state a big 10 matchup that's going to help us figure out who is going to be the cream of the crop in the big 10. Ohio state is a four point favorite at home i know penn state looked really good against umass i think the ohio state defense is too suffocating so give me the buckeyes
1: Yeah, Iceman, I'm with you. I just think Ohio State's too good. I'm not quite a buyer of Penn State yet. I could see this game being close, but I will take the Buckeyes minus four.
0: I like this one, number 22, Air Force traveling to Navy. Air Force, after a big win against my Wyoming Cowboys, is an 11 point favorite on the road against the midshipmen. Here's the thing, the midshipmen aren't any good, but this is about military pride right now. I just think though that Air Force is gonna run for 100 more yards than Navy when they combine for 700 rushing yards. So give me the Falcons with the 11.
1: Yeah, when you get the service academies together, you can throw the records out the window. Um, The only thing that I can see happening to Air Force in this game is Navy just shortening the game with their their running game, right? But that being said, I'm with you, buddy. Give me Air Force. I'll lay the 11.
0: The Washington State Cougars travel to Eugene, Oregon to face number nine Oregon Ducks coming off of a big loss against the Washington Huskies. Oregon is a 20-point favorite at home. I think they are thirsty for a big win after that loss. Washington State, some of the luster has kind of been knocked off of them. So give me the Ducks with that 20.
1: So there's a lot of familiarity when I look at this game, man, like lost at the last second for Oregon. It makes kind of reminds me of the Notre Dame, Ohio State situation. Notre Dame came out the next week. You could tell they were just mentally and emotionally exhausted. Barely snuck by Duke. A good Duke team, but barely got by. I think we're going to see something similar. Oregon wins, but the Cougs are going to make it close. I'm going to take the Cougs and the points.
0: And this one going under the radar number 17 tennessee traveling to tuscaloosa for the under the radar number 11 alabama crimson tide alabama is a nine and a point nine and a half point favorite at home the volunteers have looked a little bit shaky at times where they seem to be bringing things up nick saban and crew just continue to win i think this is going to be a close game though so give me the volunteers with the nine and a half
1: yeah i don't know i'm shocked this is a nine and a half point spread. I mean, Alabama's been taking care of business, but they I don't think they've been overly impressive. Uh, Tennessee has a lot to play for. Both teams do, but that being said, give me the Volunteers plus
0: 9.5. Number 16, Duke, traveling to Tallahassee to face number four, Florida State. Florida State is a, 14 and a half, 14-point favorite at home. I'm not sure if Riley Leonard is going to play. I don't think that he is. I feel like Florida State has been very dominant. If Duke does not have the, one of their best players, I don't think they have a shot, so give me Florida State big.
1: Yeah, missing Riley Leonard would be a problem, but they didn't have him last week and they played okay. So I tell you what, man, we're going to have to pick opposite here. So give me the Duke's 14.
0: And in a big Pac-12 matchup, number 14, Utah at number 18, USC coming off that big loss in Notre Dame. USC has a seven-point favorite here. I'm not sure if Cam Rising is going to play, but Utah just keeps on racking up those wins. I feel like USC's defense is really, really bad. I like Utah to upset the old Trojans here.
1: How about this, man? The, the higher ranked team is an underdog on the road, a seven point underdog on the road. Um, I, I find that interesting. I tell you what, Caleb Williams has a lot to prove to kind of shake the stink off from last week. And I think he's gonna get it done. I It's gonna be a shootout, but I tell you what, it might be 70 to 63, but give me the Trojans minus seven.
0: Switching to the NFL, MCDC and the Detroit Lions. The 5-1 Detroit Lions travel to my neck of the woods and face the Baltimore Ravens on the road. The Ravens are three-point favorites at home somehow. The Ravens haven't really looked all that great this year. They've been kind of up and down. The Lions are a really, really great story. I just feel like the Lions are playing really good football, and MCDC has the boys rolling, so give me the Lions.
1: Yeah, easy. Lions plus three.
0: The Los Angeles Chargers, coming off of that horrific loss to the Dallas Cowboys at home, travel to Kansas City to face the Kansas City Chiefs and Taylor Swift. The Chiefs are five-and-a-half-point favorites at home. The Chiefs have been continuing to win, but they haven't done it with a lot of style unless they've been playing a bad team. The Chargers, though, they can't get it done. However, I do think that the Chargers are going to keep it close, but I think the Chiefs are going to take it by seven.
1: Yeah, so the Chargers are like the most like almost-good team that I've ever seen. They've been in every game they've played this year. They have not lost a game by more than three points, and that's why I'm going to take the Chargers to cover the five and a
0: half. The Miami Dolphins traveling to Philadelphia to face Jalen Hurts and the Eagles. This is easily the game of the week this week. The Eagles are one and a half point favorites at home to it. And the Dolphins have looked amazing except for that one game The Eagles are coming off a loss to the lowly New York Jets. They have not looked all that great at times. I feel like the Dolphins are going to come in here and put a spanking on them, but I'm going to say that the Dolphins are going to take it.
1: So I think the Eagles are in wounded animal mode, right? Kind of similar to USC. They're going to come out with something to prove
0: a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. So fly Eagles fly to minus one and a half. And last, Brock Purdy and the San Francisco 49ers, with or without Christian McCaffrey, travel to Minnesota to face Kirk Cousins and the Vikings. The 49ers are seven-point favorites on the road. The Vikings have kind of put a few things together. Kirk Cousins says he's going to be in Minnesota all season long. I think that the 49ers are really, really good, but this feels like one of those games coming off losing to the Browns that it's going to be a close game. So give me the Vikings to keep it close.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. The Vikings are going to have to put some wins together if they want to uh, stand any chance to stay in the playoff picture at all. The 49ers are playing their second road game long ways away from home. It wouldn't surprise me if they didn't even return to the Bay Area this week and are, are staying on the road. Uh, and for that reason, I'm going to take the Vikings plus seven.
0: All right, my man, that is our 10 games right there. There's a lot of good action coming up on this particular weekend, and I'm always thrilled to do crunch time. And we did not have a good week last week, and it's okay. These things happen. We're not perfect, but I won in nine. It kind of shocked me, but we got absolutely killed by college last week. I'm not really sure what happened. You you and I just did not. We weren't able to to put it together last week. I'm not really sure. But hey, There is always another week, and I think one of us will have a good week this week.
1: Well, that's why we are doing this. Not that we're much better at this than we are at picking games, but uh, if we could pick games with any reasonable success, especially against the spread like we're doing, we would probably be making a lot of money betting on games. So that is not the case.
0: Don't they say, though, that if you're 500 against the spread, you're doing pretty good? And I'm 32 and 31, so I'm feeling pretty good by myself.
1: Yeah, I think there's some stat you have to look it up, but like most uh, like a professional gambler, a sport professional sports better is only winning at maybe somewhere between fifty five and sixty percent.
0: Yeah. And speaking of stats Iceman's stat of the week. It's been a while since I've given a stat of the week. I did give one to Dave a couple of weeks ago. I it was like three weeks ago. But I'm always here to give a stat, and this is a really, really good one. So, Coach, are you ready for not one but two stats? Two? You're doubling up. I cannot wait. I am doubling up. One of them you've already heard, but this one I just pulled together while we were recording, watching the Philadelphia Phillies. So the Philadelphia Phillies, their leadoff hitter, I believe, is a man named Kyle Schwarber. Are you familiar?
1: Yes, very familiar as a Cubs fan. Uh, have a lot of love
0: for Kyle Schwarber. Yes, Schwarbs is great. He was a Red Sox for a hot minute there and took them to the playoffs. But he has had a great season by every measure except for one. So I'm going to give you his stat line. He had 47 home runs and 104 RBIs. Can you take a wild guess what his batting average was? Um, Have we done this before? No. I swear we have. Um, I'm, Or maybe I heard it elsewhere. 207. 197. Ow! Yes. 47 home runs, 104 RBIs hitting below the old Mendoza line. But that's not where it's fun. This is where it's fun. He had 115 hits on the season. 47 of those were home runs. 19 of those were doubles. One of those were triple. That means almost half of his hits were... Less than half of his hits were singles. That's insane. Yeah, for a leadoff hitter. Supposedly. He's leading off in the playoffs now. But that stat line is just... This is baseball, you're not and You're not gonna take a guy out who's hitting 47 home runs, you're just not. Analytics. It. Yeah, it is analytics for you. But the one stat that really warmed my heart a little bit was actually about Iowa women's basketball. And that's one thing I did tell you about offline, but I wanna highlight this because I think it's very important. Iowa, the women's basketball team attempted to break a world record. I don't know if they actually did or not, but they had and hosted, I think it was a, a scrimmage game, in Kinnick Stadium, which is right across the street, obviously, from the from the Children's Hospital. And would you believe that they had 55,646 people come out and watch this game? And Caitlin Clark, who I believe was in her senior year, dropped 34, 11, and 10. She had quite a night for herself. And oh, by the way, her big quote-unquote rival, Angel Reese, also became a signature athlete with Reebok recently. So pretty awesome to see female athletes, especially at the college level, doing excellent things.
1: Yeah, no, that's really exciting. And I'm not surprised. Uh, the Iowa fan base is a very passionate fan base. So I'm not surprised they turned out uh, for this game. And I, I told you, too, I got the privilege of going to watch. They called it Grapple on the Gridiron. Iowa wrestled Oklahoma State on a Saturday morning before uh, there was a, a nighttime football game against Minnesota or something that was going on. And it, it was a beautiful November day, man. It couldn't have been any better weather. And I think there were they set the all-time attendance record like nationally for wrestling meet, a little over 32,000 people. So, um, yeah, the women, the Iowa women's basketball team, shattered that by 20,000, which is freaking awesome.
0: Yeah, it's really cool. And I feel like we should be doing this more often because I think that these women need a little bit more of a highlight. I mean, look at what happened in the national championship game last year, something that we talked about was a very polarizing topic last year, but a lot of these ladies can ball, they can play their sports really well, and once a year, you try to do something fun. The Nebraska volleyball team had the entire stadium, the entire football stadium, filled to capacity for a volleyball game. To me, that's cool. It's cool for them to be able to have that moment just once, to say that they played in front of that many people, because football players get to do it all the time. It's commonplace for them. But volleyball, they almost never get to do that. Basketball, a little bit more, but still, it just, it's diminishes in comparison. Like 12,000 people compared to 60,000 people, give them that that one time. I thought it was really cool.
1: No, I couldn't agree more, man. I think it's fantastic. And one thing that really helps is, you know, Iowa, you know, they have a star, right? And I think that that, that really helps a ton. And that's one thing that even if you look into some men's sports, I mean, we were talking about it with the Patriots, uh, having a star matters, right? Having that person to get the eyes on the game in the first place goes a long way, whether it's men's or women's athletics. Hit the trumpets.
0: And the trumpets mean it is time for Coach's Pick of the Week. Coach is currently on a six-game win streak. Now that football season is here, you are in your element, my man. And the last time you made a pick was a couple weeks ago. And you picked the old Tar Heels minus eight over Syracuse that came to fruition. You are eight and 12 on the season at this point, creeping very closely to 500. So it is that time of the week, my man. Bless us with a pick of the week. Hear ye, hear
1: ye, gambling degenerates, football fans, likers and lovers of money. Join us for this (laughs) glorious, glorious pick. So this week... In Big Ten football action, we have the Wisconsin Badgers traveling to Champaign, Illinois, Urbana, Illinois, perhaps, you know, Champaign, Urbana, Ryan Leskis could clear that one up for us to take on the fighting Illini. The Illini are coming off a big win on the road against Maryland, probably feeling themselves a little bit. Wisconsin coming off a tough loss to the Hawkeyes, you know, so I just think yeah, I, Illinois feeling themselves a little bit. Wisconsin coming off a loss want a rebound. They're only excuse me, Illinois is a two and a half point favorite, which shocks me, shocks me. So as much as I hate to do this to you, Ryan Leskis, I'm taking the Wisconsin Badgers. I'll just say plus two and a half. Although I think they're going to win, but for the sake of the for the sake of the pick of the week, I'm going to take the Wisconsin Badgers plus two and a half over the Fighting Illini
0: of Illinois. I can't think of a worse game to watch than Wisconsin-Iowa, so I'm glad that I was not able to watch that last week with everything happening over here in the old household because sometimes Big Ten football is really rough. However, the Wisconsin Badgers plus 2.5 over the Ryan Leskis-led Illinois Fighting Illini. Coach, it's always good to hear this pick. Let's hope it comes to fruition to get you 9 and 12. So let it be written. And as always, so let it be done.
1: I'm wondering, when can we get some real live trumpeters maybe to come in one day? and do the trumpets. That would be wonderful.
0: Uh, That would be wonderful. Perhaps when we do our first ever live pick of the week, we can have some people to play trumpet. I did just recently go see a viewing of the Disney Pixar movie Coco, where they had a live orchestra play all the music from the movie while you're watching the movie. Quite a few trumpets in a Mexican orchestra, so maybe we can get some of those folks to play some really fun stuff. But I'm here for it. I mean, if you want to go to RenFest, too, I'm sure you can get some of those folks. That's what we should have done this year. We should have gone to RenFest and have you made a pick of the week. That would have been absolutely spectacular. But at this point, we'll have to put it on the old payroll and see what our finance department can get us. But at this point, man, we have reached the end of the show. And honestly, it was just good to talk some sports with somebody who I hold very dearly in my friend circle.
1: Oh, yeah. It's always a pleasure. It's nice to kind of get back in the saddle with the Iceman and Coach show. We haven't gotten to do in a few weeks. No, it's been wonderful, man. Such a great time of year. We were looking forward to this time of year so much. There have been a few bumps in the road, just because life happens, but no sweat, man. Like, we, we just roll with it, and uh, th- th- it's just been a blast. So, another good weekend of football coming up. No Notre Dame this weekend, so maybe give me a chance to check a few things off my honey-do list and partake in watching. I mean, I watch a lot of the games every weekend, but... Uh, Maybe I'll have to broaden my horizons a little bit since I'll have a free window uh, on my college football Saturday.
0: Maybe I'll head up to Annapolis, Maryland and check out Air Force and Navy live and in person. But I agree with you, my man. However, that honeydew list can get really, really long. And so you're going to have to... Figure out how to masterfully weave in all of those things with watching football, having a phone tethered to you while you watch the games is always a really, really good choice. It's something that I have to do every Saturday morning while we're at James's soccer practice. Before we get out of here, though, a few administrative notes. Of course, Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, college kickoff eve. We love to do this show, and I think you're, you're missing out if you are not watching it. We adopt teams every single week. We are... In the comment section, we have a recruit who comes up here and makes picks. We're basically game day, just without all of the flash and all the travel. But it's a fun time, and we would appreciate you coming out and supporting that venture throughout the college football season. If you want to find us on social media, TikTok, at INC Sports is the handle for that. Twitter, at Iceman and Coach. Facebook, search INC Sports on Twitch, which is where you can catch all of our live shows. It is INC Sports. That is the channel name. If you're watching on YouTube, like and subscribe. If you're listening, we love our audio listeners, Apple, Spotify, wherever it is you listen, subscribe, rate, review, all of that good stuff. Support the Matty Ice Media Network, mattyicemedia.com for all the other shows that we have. Folks, I hope this finds you well. I hope this finds you safe. And as always, this is Iceman & Coach. The opinions and viewpoints expressed on INC Sports are those of Matt Freights, Brad Powell, and their guests, and not necessarily those of the Matty Ice Media Network. INC Sports is exclusively owned by Matt Freights and Brad Powell and is brought to you by the Matty Ice Media Network.